Frank's mad at me. We're just no, gonna start no, I'm right not now. Mad. I'm not mad. I'm no, not mad. You're mad. I'm I not told mad. he totally mean mugged me. No. But I did say I was on the fence about Frank Gore being a Hall of Famer. I played eight, nine man fronts my whole career. That's too hard. Yeah. And I still stay over four yards of carry, still getting to 12, 1,300 yards a season. I'm not the flashiest guy. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? But I still I got it, I got the job done. Oh, yeah. What's up? All right, everybody. It's Monday. It's PFT edition. That's right. Florio, we're having some technical difficulties. Hopefully, we'll be able to bring him in at some point here uh, shortly. Frank Gore, yes, retired. San Francisco 49er, one-day contract. Really cool. Legend of the sport. I was on the fence about him. That was a few years ago in the Super Bowl. Miami, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49er Super Bowl, where... He was giving me – he was mean mugging me. He could say whatever he wants. He was standing on the side while Florio and I were doing an interview with somebody else, and he looked at me and mean mugged me. And I knew – I had known Frank prior to that, so that was a, a, a neat moment. And what I also know he was mad and mean mugging me, as he was sitting there and I was doing this interview with Florio, people kept telling me Gore – kept pointing at me and going, that guy doesn't think I'm a Hall of Famer. You think I'm a Hall of Famer? That guy doesn't think I'm a Hall of Famer. So we had a, I had to deal with that whole issue. But either way, great week. Uh, hope everybody had a good weekend. Got a great weekend of NFL news. Uh, as always, we do have that. So let's get started. Let's get right into it. I don't know when, I don't know when Florio's going to be back, but let's hit it right off the bat with Really one of the, the, the biggest news of the weekend, the trade, Devontae Parker, Miami Dolphins to the New England Patriots. Uh, huge news. Huge news. One, I'll just I'll lay it out there flat out here. Let's let's go through the 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 trade details. Dolphins receive a twenty twenty three third round pick from the Patriots. Dolphins also sending a twenty twenty three fifth round pick to the Patriots. All right. Parker, two years remaining on the contract. Miami, the Dolphins, I mean, have been doing some unbelievable things, even with the fact that they traded away so many assets for the Tyree Kill trade. It doesn't mean they're hurting in that department, especially for the 2023 season. Miami now has five picks in the first three rounds of the 2023 draft. Pretty amazing there. I do believe it's two in the first, two in the second, and then one in the third, if memory serves me correctly there. Devontae Parker, a guy that drafted in the first round out of Louisville, talented football player, had a problem for a lot of years in his career, staying healthy, and and really never put together too many consistent seasons year after year, but has shown glimmers. And that's one thing, you know, I, I, with Mike, uh, we would discuss this a little bit more, but the, 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 the Patriots I know back when Devontae Parker came out in the draft was a guy that they, they fancied. They had their eyes on Devontae Parker. And I think he's going to be a good fit for up there. One, Devontae Parker, hey, they, we know they got Kendrick, Barn, uh, uh, Kendrick Bourne. He's up there. They got Nelson Aguilar, nice guy there. You add Devontae Parker to the group, right? He's really similar to those guys in a lot of ways, except more talented, like the better version of them. And then with all three of those guys, they can kind of all do everything. You know, hey, this guy, all three of them can kind of run by you if you got to. They're all good route runners. They have a little size and length. Parker, though, he's the one that's the most talented. There's no question about that. You know, he goes about 6'2", 6'3". He's an extremely good route runner. 
can do all the things adjusting to the football. I mean, he's caught two years ago, you go back to that season, caught a lot of jump balls, back shoulder balls from from Tua. So I think that was a big addition for the New England Patriots where you were sitting there kind of going like, what are they going to do here? What What is New England going to do to change their football team over? So that's the big thing. And now I think we have Mr. Show Up 30 seconds before the show to work out the technical difficulties. I think he's here. So, hey, oh, hey, hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing, man? Well, you know what? If I had shown up six minutes before the show, it still wouldn't have been worked out on time because it's now 7.06 or 7.04. I don't know why my laptop has a different time than my phone. They're all Apple devices. They're all connected through the same whatever it is. They're supposed to have the same time. So it's 7.04. Yes, that is the one flaw in showing up two minutes before air. In the event that there's a technical snafu, we're not aware of it. I think somebody's doing it on purpose to get me to show up a little earlier. I think that's the Good. message. Good. I think today was intentional. I think it was deliberate, I tells you. Deliberate. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Michael. How you doing? We were talking about a little Devontae Parker yeah, stuff. Yeah, forget it, about Devontae Parker. I got Fine. something else for you. Cool. I got something else for Let's you. Let's do it. I finally found something that you, Chris Sims, journeyman NFL quarterback through no fault of your own, you didn't lose your own spleen. It was forcibly removed from your body. Without that, who knows what you would have been. I will give you that. Thank you. I will get, and I'm not being sarcastic. Right. You were in the process of coming into your own before that day in September of 2006 where you took repeated blows and no one bothered to get you out of the game and make sure you were okay until Jake DeLome said at the end of the game, you don't look so good. <laughs> so, but for that moment, yeah. but for that game, who knows what you may have become. But you do have something in common with legendary – Slinging Sammy Baugh. Do you know what that is? No. Well, I, I've learned this morning. One of the many realizations of reading Peter King's Football Morning in America column, it was to my great pleasure that I read an anecdote from John McClain, retired last week after 47 spectacular years with the Houston Chronicle. Right. Back in the 80s, John McClain went to visit Sammy Baugh at his ranch. And after five hours of conversation, John McClain was preparing to leave. And I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it in front of me, but I don't need to have it in front of me because it's burned into my brain. Sammy Baugh said one of the great things about living out in the middle of nowhere is you can take a pee anywhere you want, including right off of your porch. <laughs> so he did. Just but, like you. Yes. Yes. Just like you. Me, and John McClain joined him. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Me and Slinging Sammy. You know, great minds think alike right there. It's the only thing hey, that's going to be compared to him. But, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He's slinging, slinging some pee out of his grass. Else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So that, uh, And that's what John McClain wrote this story. Or you, you read this in Peter King's column. And he, did, he shared it, he shared it with Peter King. That's amazing. And John John McClain, did he really take a pee in the yard too and just go, okay, the hell with it, I'll do it? I have no reason to doubt I the veracity it. of John McClain's admission that he engaged in public urination. Awesome. That's I awesome. assume the statute of limitations has expired. Oh, well, if it's on, on Sling that. and Sammy's property, he's the one that's got to press charges, right? You're allowed to like do that if someone gives you the okay, right? If it's on I their property. Assume, I would I would assume right. that the express invitation to turn his grass an even more vibrant shade of yellow was uh, all the defense John McClain would all need needed right in the event that there was any sort of claim of a very specific type of trespass on Sammy Baugh's property speaking of being able to pee whenever you want yeah. I have a new great nephew wow we need to talk about that wow well, you know about Congrats. that yeah yeah uh, we're getting an official photograph apparently they have a onesie just for me I can only imagine 
what the onesie says on it or what designs may be drawn on it, including one with a certain finger that may be sprouting skyward. Sure. Like one of the photos I did get the other night of him giving the finger. So the kid's already ahead of schedule. Well, you sent regard, me that. I got to see that picture percentile. where the kid accidentally yes. had the uh, the right middle finger up. And kid, the kid looks like he's on the right track, in my opinion. Looks like he's going places. He knows where to go. I like this kid already. Minor scare with the meconium aspiration, something that happens in 5 to 10% of births. There is a, 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 a bowel movement that happens before the child is born, and some of that ends up in the lungs, and it can be very serious, and they had to precautionarily put him on oxygen and antibiotics. But he's going home today, all good, and we're going out there to good, see him on Saturday. Good, I could have so. done without those last details, but that's good. Nonetheless, just, we're just happy. Just so you know, hey, yeah, hey thanks, the Doc. more you know. Well, listen, we talk about <laughs> peeing off of Sammy Ball's porch, and we talk about uh, one final little uh, indignity in the womb that, uh, you know, sometimes you can't hold it. Yeah. I mean, they don't tell you. You don't get a rule book when you're in there. Can you imagine what that – I mean, it, it is very good that we don't remember – that moment because we would all have PTSD. Can you imagine <laughs> yes. you're just kind of floating around in this quiet serenity and you're warm and you're comfortable and then all of a sudden you're getting like flushed out. I mean, and, and it's got to be painful. Into the world, right. Where, you know, right. it's painful for the mother. It's got to be painful for the kid to get squeezed out anyway. Not, okay. as, not as painful as it is for the mother. I know that. I well, know that. Have I, well, ever, have I ever told you that story? I don't think I have. And since we're going down improper stories, literally, literally I, I, I had a story like that just to go on this with my second, my second child, Philip. Uh, Philip was a pretty big boy. I think he was eight. Pounds. What a shock! He's got a big giant <laughs> alien. Big head. giant alien. What a shock! Big giant alien head, and decided to come out like Superman with one hand in front. So, because of that, of course, that added a little more pressure for my wife. My wife, both both uh, births, did them totally natural, Mike. No, nothing to induce it, nothing to do the pain. She's kind of into that, so she did it. My set, my son. He got born on the day before we were go. We were I was with the Tennessee Titans. We were about to go play the Seattle Seahawks, and I'm worried. in preseason game two, if I'm going to be able to get on the plane in time, or if I'm going to have to make my own arrangements to get out to Seattle, and I'm so now it's you know my 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 wife's in labor. It's around eight in the morning. I think the plane's leaving at like ten thirty somewhere in there. And I call, I'm like, all right, I got to call the, the Titans. I got to call my coaches and let them know what's going on and not sure if I'm going to make the plane flight or not. And as I'm on the phone with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach, my wife's in the background. She's pushing. And I mean, just making the craziest noises you could ever imagine to where my offensive coordinator, the late, great Brian uh, Heimerdinger, uh, Mike Heimerdinger, excuse me, he goes, what in the hell is that? And I go, that's my wife. And he goes, oh, my gosh, you got to go, man. I'll talk to you later. And that was it. But I made the flight. She pushed that Philip out, got it done, and I was on my way to, to go play some preseason football. She pushed that Philip out. I, I pushed that thing that, out. <laughs> that Philip. That it was going to start with something else. It starts with that same phonetic. Yeah, fo, right. that way They pushed that, that little left for Philip. That Philip out. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, boy, the time's flying as we're getting up to speed here. But you know, we're in that that little bit of a lull before the final preparations for the draft. Right. Free agency obviously is over for all intents. And purposes. I spent a lot of my life thinking that phrase was for all intensive purposes, but that's a different story altogether. But now we 
We, and we, we still have some guys who are unsigned that are floating around out there. Who knows what's going to happen with them? But the big money is gone. It's been almost three weeks since it started. So we get into the draft talk or trade talk, as the case may be. I did hear you talking about Devontae Parker to the Patriots as they were scrambling to get my microphone up. And 2023 third-round pick from the Patriots. Now it's packaged with a 2023 fifth-round pick that goes to the Patriots. You know, you have the little grains of sand to get that scale, that scale just right. Well, we'll give you a three, but we want a five back and all that stuff. Not a bad deal for the Patriots to try to upgrade their receiving core. Mike Reese of ESPN.com suggested that it's the end of the line for Nikhil Harry in New England with the arrival of Devontae Parker, but we'll see about that. Miami now has... Five picks in the first three rounds of the 2023 draft. And Parker signed for two more years. And we'll see what New England can do. But, you know, people say teams will never trade in their own division. Well, sometimes it's a win-win. And it doesn't doesn't matter what division you're in. If it's a good trade for both teams, they'll do it. Right, right. It is. I mean, the the, the Dolphins, they had no need anymore. You know, with Tyree Kill being there, Jalen Waddle, first top 10 pick from last year, Mike Gusecki, how many resources can you spend on the wide receiver position, right? If I'm not mistaken, Preston Williams is back in the fold, right? So that, that kind of checks the box for, hey, bigger outside type receiver on the roster. That works there. So from Miami's standpoint, yeah, I'm sure they looked at Devontae Parker a little bit as being expendable that way. And in New England, he fits exactly what they want to do. A little size, the route running, still has the ability to run by some people. But it's going to be all about, a little bit more about, hey, the the technician, the preciseness and that. And that's where Devontae Parker, hey, he's a really good football player. Uh, Like I was kind of saying, Mike, and I know you know this too, health has been the issue with him. Just consistently staying healthy to where he can play a full 16-game, 17-game season. And that hasn't happened a whole lot through his career, but he's going to help out the Patriots for sure. Lynn Bowden, Cody Core, River Craycraft, Devontae Dedman, Tyree Kill, Trent Sherfield, Jalen Waddle, Preston Williams, and Cedric Wilson. Those are the receivers. And Cedric Wilson. I forgot Miami about Dolphins. him, too. Right. Yeah, picked right. him up from the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. You know what, though? There's something about this that fires a neuron from a few years ago. Remember when Stephon Gilmore became a free agent and he was being linked to teams like the Bears and a few others, and then all of a sudden in come the Patriots and they grab him. And I remember thinking at the time, I mean, they paid him market value and they rarely do that for somebody who hasn't played for them, except for last year when they had all the money and no one else had any, so they just went out and bought everyone. But I remember thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Bill Belichick has spent five years, in the case of Stephon Gilmore, dealing with him twice yeah, a year. Right. So he's seen something at some point over the course of the first five years of Gilmore's career to make him say, yeah, I'll take that guy. Right. Same thing with Parker. Agreed. Especially when you look at Belichick being a defensive guy. He's seen something with Parker's ability to get open, ability to make things happen that has made him say, I want this guy. Yeah. I mean, the third round pick is a decent, that's a decent round pick. And yes, they get a five back too. So they're not giving up a ton. They're just dropping down two rounds with their pick, but still they're giving up value to get this guy and they're committing to paying him a significant amount of money relative to what other receivers on their roster may be making. So that that would make me a little nervous. If I'm shopping Devontae Parker and Bill Belichick gives me a phone call, that would make me think, yeah, this guy has seen something. This guy thinks he can do something with this guy that maybe we haven't, but what are they, what else are they going to do? The moment they trade for Tyree kill and add Cedric Wilson 
that's when a guy like Parker becomes someone you just, you already make that decision. You're going to move on from him. And my guess is they probably tried to get him to a different team for that same package. I mean, you would send him out of the division if you could yeah. for the same package. Right. But, you know, the the Patriots, uh, they do the deal. And I just, I can't help but wonder whether or not Bill Belichick says, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get this guy because he could be a lot more than he ever was in Miami. I, not that he was nothing, so. yeah. but he could be even more. I, I agreed. I, I think he can be more. I, I think he fits. I think one of the reasons Miami looks at this and goes, okay, let's trade him or get rid of him is just they go, he's not really our cup of tea. He's not how like what we do as far as you know Mike McDaniel Tua Tua we know it's bootlegs out in the flat it's a slant the guy's on the run shallow cross on the run you know throw a jump ball up there every now and then do that that's kind of what it is New England we know is a little bit more about the exactness of the route running and hey we want you to go five yards in and then put your left foot in the ground and come out on a 90 degree angle and you know have your body in a certain way to where it's a precision drop back passing offense it fits New England and Mike to your point too and I was kind of saying this before you popped on a little bit was New England's fancy Devontae Parker ever since he came out in the draft I know that for sure he was always one of those guys and then I think added to your point, they looked at him always going, hey, he's a handful for us to, to cover. He runs routes really well. Uh, he can run by you. He has enough explosive ability to go, oh, here he goes for a 50-yard bomb over the top. And then he's got the size to go along with it to catch jump balls and, and do that type of, of play at the wide receiver position. He tore their butts up two years ago when they upset the Patriots in week 17, right? to go to lose and then become the three seed where Kansas City became the number two seed and then New England lost the last week to the Tennessee Titans, right, the next week in the playoff game. If I remember correctly, Parker tore Gilmore up there too. So they have had a few firsthand experiences to what you're saying as far as how good the player is. Eight catches for 137 yards yeah, that day. There you go. 12-29, 2019, week 17 of the 2019 season. That was back-to-back 100-yard games for him. He had four in all that year, 159 Best year against of his career. the Eagles in 2019. Seven years, as you mentioned, with the Dolphins. And it was funny because I remember when he was coming out of Louisville one year after Teddy Bridgewater, there was talk maybe the Vikings would try to get him and pair those two up again. Now Teddy Bridgewater goes to Miami, and a couple of weeks later, Devontae Parker's gone after Parker was there for seven years. So I'm sure at some point those two discussed, hey, you know, we're finally going to get to play together again, like Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, and that didn't last very long because enter Cedric Wilson, enter Tyree Kill, and out goes Devontae Parker and I think we mentioned that the day the Tyreek Hill trade went down that I mean, I that believe makes we did. Devontae Parker a luxury right. that the Dolphins can no longer afford you just you only got so many spots on the roster you only got so, so many guys you can play if he's not going to be in the rotation what's the point of keeping that salary around Chris yeah that's right keep the salary around uh, what do you do keep him and he gets hurt late in the year or something like that you know, now, oh, no, you're stuck with them next year. I mean, there's just so many so many things that come into play here. And then I think added to the fact of, yeah, they're set, and the Patriots are – I mean, I don't know if they're desperate, but they should be at least in my opinion. I, I, I look at the Patriots roster. You, you brought up Nikhil Harry. Okay, yes, I wouldn't think he's going to be there much longer, or if he is, he's not going to be a major part of the offense. He's been a huge disappointment. But then, Mike, like after that, you go, who the hell – do they got it receiver? 
We know they got, uh, of course, Nelson Aguilar, and and then they got Kendrick Bourne. You know, they add Ty Montgomery to the mix, who I don't know if he's going to be used more as a running back or a receiver. Most teams have used him more as a third down running back the last few years. So, you know, again, this is where it's going to get interesting. Uh, they've lost Jacoby Myers. He's put up some production for them the last few years, right? Jacoby Myers is not on the football team anymore. Uh, if I'm remembering that the right way here. So that's where I just look at it and go, man, the Patriots had a desperate need here. They're they're one injury away from going, whoa, who the hell are you going to play at receiver? This guy's unproven commodity. Is he really ready for prime time? And, of course, as we know, they got a young quarterback who you're still trying to make look good in this situation. Yeah, they've got Aguilar, Bourne, Nikhil Harry, Ty Montgomery, Trey Nixon, Malcolm Perry, Matthew Slater, although he rarely yeah. plays receiver, and Christian Wilkinson. Think about Ty Montgomery. That really does fit with something we know the Patriots like to do, which is get your personnel on the field and move guys around, yeah, slip right. into right. no huddle, and put the defense in a bind. They used to do that when they had the late Aaron Hernandez on the team. He sure. could play any position that they wanted to put him in, and maybe Ty Montgomery does that. That's why I'm surprised Cordell Patterson didn't last longer in New England because he was able to do that. But they like having guys like that yeah. where they can slide into no huddle if they choose to do so. But you're right. They needed help at the position, and you can still roll the dice in the draft. But, look, they did with Nikhil Harry. We, we've, we've criticized the Cowboys for sending – their first-round pick in 2019 to get Amari Cooper because they paid Cooper $53.9 million over three years when they would have paid less than $12 million on a four-year contract for somebody that would have taken with the 27th overall pick in the draft in 2019. And we've rattled off the names of the guys they could have had, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown. However, they also could have had Nikhil Harry because that's who the Patriots took with Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and DK Metcalf on the board. So I, I no longer trust, if I ever did, the ability of the Patriots to draft receivers. For as great as the Steelers are yeah. at finding receivers, isn't it amazing that that is the glaring Achilles heel of Bill Belichick and his group? I mean, they took Chad Jackson, who was a disaster in the I second know. round, like in 2008 or yeah. 2009. They have been abysmal, abysmal when it comes to drafting receivers. Yeah, they were abysmal even the years I was there with, with some of the guys drafted, even mid-round picks. They, they are, Mike, one where you, you have said it, you, and this is, the, the, to me, like, you know, epitomizes exactly what – this is one where – yeah, for whatever reason, New England, Belichick, they're not great at evaluating or or translating wait, what this guy is in college, this is what he can be in the NFL. They're very good at, wait, we've seen you in the NFL, and now we think we can make you work up here, whether it's Wes Welker or other guys like Randy Moss, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that works, but I, I, I know, Mike, it, it is pretty shocking as far as that, that you know, position's concerned. Uh, it is not a great you know, track history as far as what they've done there for guys that can really help their team out, especially I think if we're thinking top half of the draft type guys, top two, three rounds of the draft. A point we've made in the past, is it an issue of drafting the wrong guys or it is, is it a failure to develop them? And does it boil down to simple Belichickian impatience? Get that son of a bleep off the field. He does, you know, 
let him play again when he figures out how to tie his damn shoelace. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Let's right. get a veteran out here who knows what we're doing and what we look for so we can practice these reps, so we can get through this day, so we can develop our defense too instead of having some guy with his head up his butt out here who doesn't know what he's doing. It could be that simple that he just has no patience for a younger guy. Kind of like John Gruden wouldn't have patience for a young quarterback. Maybe Bill Belichick doesn't have patience for young receivers and they never develop. He never gives them that chance to learn. I don't know. I'm spitballing. No, I I don't think it can't just be they're picking the wrong card. Right. Every time it's got to be something more than we got the wrong guy. It's got to be at some level. We're not doing enough to turn that guy into the player that he could be. Uh, I, I, I think there's some truth there to that, Mike, uh, you know, legitimately. First thing, let me just say this. Jacoby Myers is there. He was a restricted, restricted free agent. That's why I couldn't yes. figure it out in my he's head. Not on the roster yet, but right. he's still there. I remember I was like, wait, something went down. Okay, so yes, th- there is that. But then to your point, Mike, um, I, I think that's a very real thing up there in New England. How, how many times have we talked about, and, and I've kind of tried to discuss as far as how complicated that offense is, right? It, it, uh, that offense, as far as language is concerned, how the plays are called, is different than any other place in football. And then the rules and the amount of plays that have rules and are very intricate and detailed there, uh, it, it is very tough on a young receiver. Out of all the positions that I would say you got to go from college to the NFL and adjust, receiver's already one of those that's a little bit more complicated than the rest because, again, you know college football right now. It's run up to the, the ball and act like we're going to snap it, and then we don't snap it, and then I look to the sideline and the coach tells me exactly the play I'm going to run. Okay, right, I'm going to run one of those three routes because I only run three routes. I'm in college football, and – that's their life. And then all of a sudden they go to New England and they're going, you know, zero out slot, 72, pearls back. They're saying all these words and they're going, oh my gosh, wait, hold on, hold on. I don't even know where to line up first. And then wait, what's my route? And then wait, I got to run three different routes according to the coverage and you want each one to be a little different and nuanced. And I, I think there's some reality to what you're saying, Mike, 100%. Sorry for the long story there, but I was just trying to paint the picture for people a little bit. No, no, I think that that's valid. And again, whether it's impatience or whether it's failure to develop them or failure of them to step up, there's something that has gone wrong with the Patriots for the most part when they have drafted receivers under Bill Belichick. This won't take long. Indulge me on this. Trey Nixon, seventh rounder last year. Nikhil Harry, first rounder in 2019. Braxton Berrios, sixth rounder in 2018. Malcolm Mitchell, fourth rounder in 2016. Devin Lucian, seventh rounder 2016. Jeremy Gallon, seventh rounder 2014. Aaron Dobson, a second rounder out of Marshall in 2013. That was a wasted second round pick. Josh Boyce, fourth rounder that same year. TCU, right. Jeremy Ebert. Taylor Price out of Ohio, a third-round bust in 2010, taking a round before Aaron Hernandez. Brandon Tate, who was decent at first, yeah. but ended up in Cincinnati right. more as a kick returner. He was a third-rounder in 2009. Then uh, Julian Edelman, well, there is an exception. There it working. is, right. There is one. Right. Seventh-rounder in 20, 2009. Matthew Slater, again, he's not really a receiver, so he doesn't count. He was a fifth-rounder. Chad Jackson was all the way back in 2006. I yeah. said 2008 or 2009. He was a second-rounder in 06. And uh, P.K. Sam, Bethel Johnson, 
Dion Branch, second rounder in 2002. So there you go. The Bill Belichick experience. So they got two Super Bowl MVPs. I guess if you look at it that way, it's glass half full. Hey, man, I've drafted two receivers who became Super Bowl MVPs in the last 20 years. Who else can say that? Well, that's fine. But the rest of the work... Not exactly Super Bowl MVPs. No, not. I mean, uh, really. The, the, and what's amazing is the majority of the names there. You go, they never even got on the NFL radar. Forget about like we're a little bit disappointing or didn't work out in the NFL. It's like no, we've never heard of those people. They never got on the scene. There was never a moment or a game where we go, oh, I remember that guy. I mean, that's where there. It's where it's crazy. And then you know, even with an Edelman. It was. It took a few years, right? He was not exactly like a guy that was just plug and play. He was special team, sat behind Wes Welker, learned how to play football like him, and they developed him that way. So there was a little time to let him learn the offense and not have to put him out there and perform right away because he was a seventh-round pick. That worked in their favor that way. But, man, yeah, Deion Branch, he was a good one. That worked out. But other than that, it's slim pickings there in New England as far as the draft is concerned, that's for sure. They should just no longer draft receivers and acquire them this way. Let someone else develop them and pick them, and then you go out and cherry-pick them either as free agents or in a trade when someone ends up with a glut of wideouts, which is exactly what happened to the Miami Dolphins. There had been some indications that the Patriots were talking to Odell Beckham Jr. about joining the team. He was on their radar screen after he was cut by the Cleveland Browns. The Patriots were trying to get him. He didn't seem to be interested. I don't think he's interested in the Patriots without Tom Brady there, or at least he didn't believe sufficiently in Mac Jones. You want you want to have confidence that someone's going to throw you the football when you're open because he had just lived through what it means to play with someone who doesn't throw you the ball accurately or when at you're all open. when you're open. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, you know, getting open is is just a very small part of what you're trying to do as a receiver. Hey, I'm open. Where's the football? Get me the football. So I, I think that that may have been an impediment to Odo Beckham Jr. And obviously the, the torn ACL. Who knows when he's going to be good to go? Last time around, in the same knee where he has a torn ACL now, it took him 11 months to get cleared. At a time when we're taking for granted – the notion that, oh, torn ACL, hey, up, surgery, rehab, you'll be fine. Yeah. They give, they give uh, why am I blanking on the name of the guy? Chris Godwin. I knew if I talked long enough, it would come to me. Chris Godwin in Tampa, they give him a three-year, $60 million deal, barely two months removed from ACL surgery. So that's the big question yeah. with yeah, OBJ. And, you know, as the Rams slow play it and just kind of everyone assumes the Rams are going to get him, all it takes is one team to say, we'll go ahead and spend the money now. We'll make the move now. We'll do what we have to do now to get OBJ away from the Rams. And it wouldn't surprise me if someone makes a strong pitch and and understands what they're getting and that they're not going to get anything from him early in the year, but they may get a payoff yeah. come December or January or in 2023 if they do a multi-year deal. I, I, I feel like Ty's going to go to the Rams, right? anything like that to where, you know, to, to piggyback off of what you said, they, they, they whoever comes in and wants Odell, Odell Beckham Jr., I would think you're going to have to, yeah, make, make, impress him, you know, shock him a little bit if you want to, you know, do that. Especially, you know, if you're a team that's, you know, kind of off the, off the cuff as far as Super Bowl contender, that's for sure. 
Uh, I would think Odell is going to look just like he did last year at a place that makes sense to where he can hit the ground running. The team's good. He knows the quarterback and the offense throw the ball a lot and that he's going to get his touches, as you explained earlier, when he is open and uh, and try to play it like that. I would. And, you know, I understand him not wanting to do the Patriots last year. That's a little dicey. Rookie quarterback, you know, they're kind of figuring life out still after Tom Brady. But – um, yeah, I kind of sit here like you do, Mike. I think it's the Rams. I would imagine it's going to be the Rams. And if it's going to be somebody else, I imagine it being, you know, again, almost the teams that were involved in the conversations with him last year. Uh, Green Bay, Kansas City, you know, hey, you want to come here for the low? You know, we don't need you this second. Green Bay kind of needs him. But Kansas City and those kind of teams can kind of go, we don't need you this second. Get healthy. Just try to get here, you know, around Thanksgiving. And then we'll try to go win that damn Super Bowl. I would think it'd have to be something like that to steal Odell Beckham Jr.'s mind and heart from the Rams. Remember what it was last year that ultimately got him in L.A. What was it? They showed me the love. The love. They pulled out all the stops. Right. It's good old-fashioned recruiting. I think we lose sight of that in the NFL. Yeah. Because people. there's, you know, especially because, look, you never, well, you recruit free agents. You don't have to recruit draft picks. You just tell them you're coming here. Who cares? You recruit us. We don't recruit you. But – Getting the human beings involved, getting people to express in an interpersonal way, we want you. It's not just a cold financial negotiation. It's phone calls. It's text messages. It's public statements. We want this guy. We love this guy. We need this guy. That can have an impact. So if you want to try to get him away from the Rams, it isn't just money. You got to have that same full court press. You yeah. got to have people who are excited. And maybe it's hard to muster that when you know the guy's not going to play for who knows how many more months. Hey, we can't. Wait. Oh, oh, yeah, we love it. But, but you know what? There should be people out there doing that. I, mean, I, I, I know that free agency tends to focus on the guys who are ready to go. But I'd like to think somebody out there could take a step back and say, you know, this guy can really help us when he's healthy. And guys get injured all the time. And we take chances on injured guys all the time. Let's go do the full court press on Odell Beckham Jr. Let's offer him more than what we think the Rams can pay. Yeah. And let's let's mobilize our troops to make him feel like we really want him. Because we do. Let's go do it. Let's not play, you know, uh, cloak and dagger or, or, or take it slow or, or be, you know, too guarded in what we say. Let's just go get this guy. That's how you're going to get him. Anybody who wants him, that's the roadmap. We saw it last year. The Rams provided it to us. Yeah, no, they, they did. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you there either. And, and really, I feel like in, in, in my heart or you know my brain a little bit, that, that it, it will happen at some point. I would imagine teams maybe want to let Odell get a little further down the road to gauge how the recovery is going. I would imagine that's part of the, the conversation if you're talking about Odell and adding him to your football team. Definitely, but I, I think you're right. He's 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 been in two places, you know, prior to the Rams where he felt like they didn't want him at the end or the love wasn't there. Love is very real for sure, let alone the quarterback play and touches. We know that. Um, but I'm with you, Mike. If I'm a team that's kind of like set up and go, hey, we're pretty good here. We're not like desperate. We're in decent salary cap shape. Um, okay. Let's add a little icing on the top. Let's see if we can maybe, you know, give him a contract and make him open up his eyes and go, hey, come here and do something. Uh, I, I certainly, I wouldn't be afraid to toy around with that idea. 
You know, like again, like if I'm a team like Buffalo, that those are the teams I'm talking about. Like, hey, we're pretty good. I'm good. We're hey, but man, if we got you here, whoa, watch out. It could be scary, and we don't need you, and we're not going to rush you before you're ready to go. But yes, it's a team like that, a team like the Rams, a team like Kansas City now with MVS and Juju there to where it's not desperation. A lot like the Rams were last year before Robert Woods got hurt, who subsequently got hurt the day after they signed him and they really needed Odell after that. We've talked in the past about the Rams all-in tendencies and will other teams do it, and we've seen some other teams make some trades, big trades, but... I remember saying at one point, because we talked about how the Bills didn't make moves when they could have last year, and I said if they had Vaughn Miller and Odo Beckham Jr., they'd be the ones that have their yeah, fingerprints all over right. the freshly right. minted Lombardi trophy. Well, they now have Vaughn Miller, so why not go ahead and finish the job, Brandon Bean? Go get Odo Beckham Jr. Wouldn't that be something? That that would be something, because they're one of the teams that fits the profile. I, we right. don't need him right now. Right. We can let him recover. He's a good locker room presence. The guys love him. Let's get him in here and and come December, January, February. We get the payoff. Yeah. We have Odell That's Beckham Jr. And more importantly, more importantly, a team we may come across in the postseason does not have Odo Beckham Jr. Uh, yeah, we got him. Agreed. We don't have to worry about him, and we've got him. They have to worry about him. I, I, that, to me, is the type of team. And then what I'd be scared about if I'm the Rams, too, is time lingers here. It's something you already brought up. And what's that? Um, ring, ring. Oh, um, hey, uh, Odell, um, Tom Brady's on the phone. He wants to know if you'll come down to Tampa and play for four peanuts. You get to play with Brady and maybe win the Super Bowl. Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Brady, I'll be down there. I'd be scared of that if I'm them. I mean, to me, it just it, that's scary situation. But I don't know, you know, again, Tampa with Chris Godwin, they're waiting for that ACL injury. They might want to put resources into that right there. But I, that's certainly on my radar where the fact of we know the love Odell has for Tom Brady, and there's been flirtation in years past. There was flirtation in Brady's last year in New England, or maybe it was earlier than that. It was 2019. 20, no, it was Browns, 2019, right. The yes, Browns right. played in New England, right. and it was the whole week long, it was Odell Beckham Jr. saying New England this, New England yes, that. It's like, right. this guy really want to be in Cleveland? And there was a long talk between the two of them. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, last year, the receiver position for the Buccaneers, we just thought it was as stacked as it could possibly be. Yeah. But Scotty Miller fell off. Antonio Brown literally fell off. Yeah. Tyler Johnson showed up over, overweight and out of shape. I right. almost said over shape and out of weight. Overweight <laughs> and out of shape. That would have been a simpsonism. <laughs> overweight and out of shape. And Jalen Darden, they're waiting for him. But now Brown's gone. And you, you know, Russell Gage is there. They signed him from Atlanta. That's right. Chris Godwin, a question mark as he recovers. But um, I, I – Yeah, they're not real right, deep though, there. But, but you, hey – Look, we've we've already not to not to plow old ground, but we recently have witnessed the power of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Yes. We think he's got some influence right. in Tampa. Just a little bit of influence in Tampa Bay. If he wants OBJ, they'll find some money to make it happen, especially like you said. He would take less if he finally gets a chance to play with Tom Brady. And if he feels like the Rams aren't doing the right thing by him, because right. I've said all along. They need to do the right thing by Odo Beckham Jr. and pay him for what he did last year and pay him even though they're not going to have him on the field because he helped them get over the top. If he gets a little sideways about that, 
all the more reason to go to Tampa Bay because right now it's the Rams in Tampa Bay in the NFC. Uh, yes, 100%. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, it is them. And, of course, we got Green Bay sitting there uh, who needs it, but I don't think they have the luxury to be able to wait for Odell. The 49ers, they're stacked. We know that. I don't think they're going to be looking for that type of player. But for Odell, for what he's looking at, yeah, the Rams, the Bucks, they make a lot of sense still. They do. And uh, be interested to see where this goes. But I, I think at, at some point here, you know, to what we're talking about, the, the, the conversations and things will heat up around Odell. It might not just be – it might be till the end of June. You know, he might be one of those kind of guys, right, Mike? Or maybe right before training camp where it's okay, hey, hey, we're getting close in here. All right, you know, let's let's round out the roster. We need a receiver or somebody else to help us out down the road or whatever. You know, uh, th- that to me is the time I look to Odell Beckham Jr. probably being on the radar for some of these teams. I got one more. Yeah. To keep an eye on. Yeah. Blow that Gallerhorn. <laughs> Where's Kevin O'Connell? Where did Kevin O'Connell come know. from? I know, yeah, yeah. Where did he come from? Right, that's And what right. about Justin Jefferson and OBJ? Yeah. You put OBJ and JJ and Adam Thielen? Are you kidding me? That'd be pretty damn Woo. good. That would be. As long as you can block for Kirk Cousins, you got a high-octane offense. Yes, you do. I, uh, you keep dreaming there, Slugger, though. I don't think that I'm, one's happening. <laughs> I'm, uh, all I'm saying is Kevin O'Connell, the new coach of the Vikings, came from the Rams, and if the Rams are going to slow play it, if the Rams are going to screw around, but that would be a team that falls into this category of, yeah, yeah. they could – they, can they wait. don't need him right away. They can, they wait. can wait. Right. The right. question is, the question is, will they be, you know, four and eleven? When he's <laughs> that, that, that's able to exactly play? right. Exactly right. And you'll be asking for Minnesota to draft a new quarterback by the, you know, November. So that might not be the best situation. No, we'll I already right am now. asking. <laughs> sorry, I not will be. I stand corrected. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a break. Uh, some alarming news out of Congress as it relates to the ongoing investigation of the Washington Commanders, which has pivoted to financial improprieties. And one specific thing that could be the irregularity that gets Daniel Snyder booted out of the NFL for good. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. So Congress has been looking into the workplace misconduct situation in Washington for months now. And the trigger for that was the John Gruden emails that came out in October. The reason to be concerned about how the NFL handled the commander's investigation had been there since July, but nobody paid any attention to it until John Gruden's emails came from the 650,000 documents that were harvested as part of the investigation into workplace misconduct. So that's what Congress has been looking at, the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Last week, reporting emerged, Chris, that the committee has begun to pivot toward financial improprieties. And we didn't know what the financial improprieties were until we did. Initially, front office sports reported that there was a question of two sets of books, which is always a red flag. Over the weekend, A.J. Perez of front office sports reported, and this is brave stuff. Anytime you report this kind of stuff about the Washington commanders and you are stepping into the bullseye of a potential defamation lawsuit this is big stuff aj perez valiantly and courageously reporting that the oversight committee has received information alleging that the commanders used a scheme to hold back ticket revenue from the nfl holy crap batman if that's true and i must emphasize if that's true daniel snyder i'm not there are many things i would like to accomplish this week getting sued by daniel snyder 
is not one of them. If that allegation is true, an allegation that we are not making or reporting or involved in in any way, shape, or form other than to pass it along to you for your edification and entertainment, if that's true, he's done. He's gone. I spoke to a source over the weekend. If this is true, that he's holding back money that's supposed to go to the NFL, because what happens is, here's how it works. You get your ticket revenue for a game. You don't give a chunk of it to the team that played. You have a chunk of it that goes into a league-wide pool of visiting team money. And it's a gross of 40%. It's a net of about 33% because you take out money for expenses. That goes into this pot, and it gets split up among the 32 teams. Well, if you're shorting that pot, you're keeping more for yourself, and you're not sharing it with the teams who are sharing it with you. They're all sharing it with each other. If there's any... Oh, boy. Can you imagine? Can you do whatever you want, but don't pick my pocket? That that would be the oligarch's creed. Do whatever you want in your workplace, but if you pick my pocket, you're done. Yeah, that's how and it looks right that now. May, that may be what he did. If, if, capital I, capital F, if this reporting is accurate. Yeah, I, I would think if this reporting is accurate, he will be seeing his butt on the way out the door in some capacity in the NFL. Uh, no, no question about it. You're right. I mean, this is one where it's just it's a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker. Hey, you know, morals, whatever else, workplace misconduct. Hey, that's a, we could all deal with that, the 32 owners. You start stealing money from us, what the hell, what the F, what the blah, 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 you're out of here. That's for sure. That's one thing where, yeah, that's not going to skirt by. And I think the other thing, too, Mike, that I'm just amazed by, let alone like I'm amazed to hear any of it, but just like I guess this is another one to file under the category of I've thought too highly of the NFL for too many years. They're not as buttoned up as I thought. How does this even happen? How do they, how would they be able to like get by this? The, the NFL are they just trusting the thirty two teams to do their own books and just going? Well, I trust them. These guys were billionaires because they're so ethical with all the money. Let's trust them and they'll share it. I, I guess I'm I'm shocked to hear that could even get to this point. I guess is what I would say that we could get here and the NFL and we're all learning that. Wait. One thirty second of a team is withholding funds. I just didn't think that was even possible in the way things were done in the NFL. Well, yeah, it is possible, but you would think that the deterrent of getting kicked out of the league would be enough to uh, yeah. keep you from doing uh, it. Yeah, you're right. So it happens. And, and look, I said this last week in a different context altogether. I can't remember who we were talking about. Maybe it was the 49ers and their quarterback situation. The problem with constantly thinking you're the smartest person in the room is you eventually learn the hard way you're the dumbest. And Snyder, if, if this is true, you would have to think that he believed he could outsmart whoever it was that is responsible for being on that wall. You need me on that wall. You want me on that wall. And he must have thought he could outsmart whoever was on that wall to make sure that the numbers weren't being cooked, that the numbers weren't being manipulated, that he wasn't funneling cash into his own pocket. And this gets back to one of my broader concerns as it relates to membership in club oligarch. All you got to have is enough money to go buy a team. I don't think they do a background check on you from the standpoint of, is this a responsible person? Is this someone who's going to potentially try to swindle his partners? Or is this somebody who's going to run a front office that isn't rife with sexual harassment, allegedly, and other misconduct, allegedly? So that's what you get 
when you let the person who can show up with the biggest bag of cash buy the team, and we'll worry about the details later. You're going to get some people, potentially, allegedly, possibly, who aren't the best people to do business with. So to a certain extent, the NFL only has itself to blame if this happened. And the question is, how far back does it go, Chris? And that's the other thing, too. Beyond him getting his ass kicked out, there will be litigation on litigation here to get the money back. I would think it was so. withheld if, if, today's PFT Live brought to you by the word if, if it's true, if these allegations are true. Yeah, uh, uh, yes. I mean, I, I, again, I would think if, if these allegations are true that it starts and expedites a process of Dan Snyder having to get out of the NFL in a hurry. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. When do we find this out? When's it all going to come out, the come to light as far as whether it's true or not, but crazy, serious, you know, accusations. And, and you know, of course, on the heels of so many other issues. And, I mean, again, you know, for people out there to think like, wait, this doesn't affect the football team and all of that. Well, Alex Smith said it last Thank week. you. That's exactly where I was going. Like, I mean, come on, Alex Smith, who doesn't say anything about anybody or never criticizes <laughs> and couldn't be like the more professional, nice guy in the world. He basically came out and was like, it's weird. It's weird working there. Of course, it affects us. It's always it goes in the locker room. People are, guys are talking about it. Wait, our boss, the guy that was here or says he's not here, not running the team. He's doing this. This is going on. I mean, it's one disaster after another. Of course, the team is talking about it. Of course, it affects the coaches and the staff and everybody else. So that's where it's just a horrible look for the commanders. And damn, Ron Rivera has got to deal with a lot of crap ever since he took over this team. He's coaching with one hand tied behind his back. He really is, yes. At some point, it's got to affect him. Why did he take that job? Because he said last week, you know, at a certain point, it gets old. He's doing what he can to coach his way through it. You know, it gets old. We just got to go win football games. That's fine. But why did he take that job? I, he he kind of rushed into that one when maybe there were other opportunities out there, unless he saw an opportunity to basically go in and take over. That that somebody needs to stuff Dan Snyder in a locker and and really show leadership here. And it's a challenge from that regard. And to that extent, I would admire it if that's his reasoning. But at some point, you got to wonder, why did you go there? Why did you, why did you voluntarily sign up for such a, a toxic stew of irregularities? And, you know, Chris, one of, the, one of my favorite quotes is the epigraph to The Godfather, the novel. When you open it up, the first line is, behind every great fortune there is a crime. And it kind of gets what you were allegedly, if, if, brought to you by the word if, but I'd never thought of it this way. It's not just behind every great fortune there is a crime. In front of every great fortune there is a crime. (laughs) Everywhere you look when a great fortune is involved, there is a potential crime. I think that's what we're learning here. That, you know, you get that rich and you stay that rich by being a little loose on the margins at a minimum. Allegedly, possibly, potentially, if. But that's what explains it. That's how you beat the system. You beat the system by cheating the system. If we haven't seen enough examples of that in plain sight in recent years, and I won't say anything more than that, but I think we know what I'm talking about. You just cheat. How do you win? You cheat. And this is is as crass an example of cheating that the NFL could have if the allegation is true. You know... 
What what do you think? How long will this take to shake out? Where does this go? Uh, I mean, again, even even if this is you know true, not to the extent of what we're saying, and I mean, again, I just think it's it's all it's over. It's a deal breaker. How many? How much more can the NFL and the other owners really take of Washington and Dan Snyder right now? That's what I really. I just well, that's the question. It's 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 become. You know, something, again, there, I know it's different, but it's not, where, uh, you know, conduct detrimental to the shield is being led by an owner right now. It's being led. Can he we, is the most conduct can, detrimental thing in the NFL. And, you know, as we know, yes, maybe he was down the street running the team, but not in the building at times. And it's just, that pisses me off as an ex-player. Uh, I'm well, sorry. Look, look, at, look at what we're seeing. Look at what we're seeing on the right, screen. Right. This guy is supposed to be exiled from the team. This is the day that they unveiled their new uniforms. He goes up the steps first, ahead of the person who's supposed to be running the team. And he goes to the microphone first, and he talks first. This guy is supposed to not be involved in the day-to-day operations of the team and everything that goes along with that. And this is going to loop again. He's the first one up the steps. Here he comes. Here he comes. He, he beat the he beat it he beat the person who's supposed to be running the show to the microphone and he's the first one to speak and this gets back to something that the commissioner said last week he insisted that Daniel Snyder is not involved in the day to day role that he previously had that this is a, 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 a reality of the punishment or whatever it was I mean there's, there's this whole back and forth did he do it voluntarily did he do it involuntarily does he need permission from the commissioner to come back does he not need permission well what the commissioner said last week was he's still not involved the washington times reports the next day that he is involved he has resumed his prior role with the team which would seem to be a fairly red flag And I asked the league for comment. Well, the commissioner addressed it Tuesday. Yes, on Tuesday he said he's not involved. On Wednesday a report emerges that he is involved. That would seem to cry out for some further comment by the league. But the the league is keeping its mouth very, very shut on this. And I just – I think they're treading lightly because they don't want to fight with Dan Snyder more than they need to. And also, Chris, I'm suspicious, and I don't know this. This is just speculation based upon the reports that are available to us. I can't help but wonder whether somebody who knows what's going on is cooperating at the not-so-gentle nudging of the NFL. I think it's a former employee. I don't know who. I don't think it's Bruce Allen. But I think somebody who knows something is cooperating with this committee at the direct behest of the league to try to finally make this happen. And the clock is ticking because if the Republicans resume control of the House of Representatives come November for the midterms, this committee's work as it relates to the commanders is done. The plug gets pulled. It's over. So what is it? It's April 4. We got until November, early November, as a practical matter, to see this play out. And the committee has until then to get it done. So we go forward and, and we see what they do. But, you know, this stuff didn't come out accidentally last week. Somebody wants this so. to come out. Right. And I, I think it's a precursor to further reporting, further activity, maybe some hearings being held. 
but th- this isn't good. And at a minimum, doesn't the league have to come out and say it's investigating it? The league hasn't said anything. Shouldn't the league say we're looking into this? We take this seriously. It's amazing that the league has said nothing. I, I, yeah, it is. It is to me. It is, the, the whole thing's amazing. The, the whole handling of the Washington Commanders is not in line with the way the NFL handles anybody or anything else. It's like. For some reason, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's weird. I know they're owners and the rules are a little different. I get that, yes. Uh, but, man, even for the owners, the Washington Commanders is a stain on the NFL right now, plain and simple. And to the point where, I mean, I got to wonder if some of these owners are like, man, I, I, I hope he did steal so we can bust him and get him out of here and just get a new look or a new, a new guy running the show there. I, I got to imagine some of the old school owners in the NFL – do not like Dan Snyder and what he is doing to the league right now. You know, and again, n- maybe not even guilty of a lot of these things. But r- regardless, the perception is not good. And they are looked at as a dysfunctional, major, in a big way, let alone they have people within their organization and people that work there are telling you that. I mean, Ron Rivera was saying last week, right, it's exhausting. He's exhausted from having to defend them all the time and always answer these questions. And then we heard from Alex Smith. So, Damn, Washington. Used to be like one of those organizations I looked at to be really, really special, and the luster is off them right now. At one level, some owners like the fact that there are dysfunctional teams because the dysfunction does bleed into the football team and it makes it easier to beat them. That is a real dynamic. The owners who know what they're doing relish the fact that a certain percentage of the league is inherently dysfunctional and it runs through the full organization, and it makes it easier to win games when you play those teams. Secondly, and this is why they kept all of the details under wraps, I believe, based upon people I've spoken to, that none of the stuff came out about the findings from the Beth Wilkinson investigation back in July of 2021 when they announced the conclusion but really didn't give us anything to support how they got to the conclusion because I think if some of that stuff came out, it would be unsustainable for Daniel Snyder to continue if we saw in chapter and verse detail the allegations that were validated by Beth Wilkinson I think they were protecting themselves they don't want that standard to apply to them they don't want disgruntled employees to be able to kick up enough of a mess that an independent investigator comes in and starts looking for things and finds something and the next thing you know you're out the door they're trying to protect themselves but you get to a point where he is a stain on the entire shield, on the entire operation, if some of this stuff is true. And even, look, one of the reasons they beefed up the personal conduct policy back in 2007 with Pac-Man Jones and the late Chris Henry, the idea was if you're getting yourself in these jackpots often enough, even if you're ultimately blameless in each one, something's not right here. That was kind of the gist of of why they did it. You're getting arrested, even if you're... Innocent until proven guilty, and even if in each and every one of these situations you never go to jail. Yeah. The fact that you're getting yourself in these messes right. requires intervention. Yeah. That that kind of where again, we are you, here. That's kind of where we are. Yeah. At a certain point, it doesn't yeah. matter if you didn't do it, and you can you can fight and buy all the best lawyers and mount a defense, and I'm exonerated here, and I'm exonerated here, and I'm exonerated here. We, we shouldn't have an owner who constantly has to go out and fight to be exonerated. There's something fundamentally wrong. There's some there's something that disqualifies you from being an owner if you are constantly under siege. I guess that would be the way that that I could express it and hope that other owners see that and say, "We are going to be better off 
the moment that we no longer have to deal with this guy. I, I mean, I, it, it, it seems that way right now. The, the way we sit, you know, sitting here now, you know, spring of 2022, I understand, hey, the NFL's might, NFL owners, other that, like to your point, Mike, didn't want to set precedent with some of these things going after Dan Snyder. Okay, they'll do that. You're going to take your, some lumps from the media then if you don't want to set precedent. But now, I mean, we're, we're filtering over past like, hey, don't worry about setting precedent. We're worried about we're – we're going down here into a – it's like the start of a long spiral down here. To we're going, Dan Snyder's going to screw the, the whole NFL, the whole league, all of us over. It's all going wrong. I mean, again, it's just – it's never good. Congress is involved in investigating a football team, let alone there's all a bunch of other issues to go along with it. At some point, you got to go, wait, the hell with precedent. He's going to set the precedent to take the damn league down here and just give us well, like well, years and years well, of crap to deal with. Well, here's something else you got to consider because there is a belief that he's the one that leaked the John Gruden stuff. Emails. I'm right. not saying it's true. I'm not yeah. saying it's true. Right. All I know is there aren't many people that had access to them, and he was one of them because they were on his servers. Yeah. Okay, and when I say him, I mean his organization. Right. But but there is a belief held by some, at least one person I know of specifically, who firmly believes those emails were leaked by Daniel Snyder, not by Roger Goodell or the NFL. My point is this. If they do push him out the door, what other damage is he going to do on the way out the door or once he's out the door, just as a vindictive reaction to being pushed out? What does he know about the league that he could use to try to bring others down, to try to bring the league down? And, you know, there's going to be reporters out there that, that soak it all up like a, you know a, a plate full of sauce and you got a hunk of Italian bread. They're going to want that. And I'd be interested in that. However the truth comes to light, the truth comes to light. If Daniel Snyder knows things that are credible and provable, yes, let's hear it. Whatever it takes, whatever the motivation. But I think they have to be concerned about that. They push this guy out the door. Anything he knows, anything he knows about other owners, other people in the league, Anyone, anytime, any place, anywhere, you got to worry. He's gonna, he's gonna let all that out, and t- and again, that's all the more reason to be careful about who you let in. Because if you let somebody in that you have to be worried they're gonna do that, you never should have let him in in the first place. Yeah, I, I, I agreed there. Agreed. I don't. I got no more to say about the subject. Well, I'm, I'm subject. I've sent. I'm, I'm out. I'm out of things to say. <laughs> you're out of ammo, Admiral Stockdale. I yeah. sent an email to the league while we were doing this segment to ask them for an official comment on the reporting from front office sports that there was, because you can't say nothing here. How can you say nothing? You have to at least say this is incorrect or you have to say this is a very serious matter and it will be investigated. Silence is unacceptable if you're the NFL here, because the allegation is that, that there may have been picking of the pockets of the other owners by one of the owners who held back money that should have gone to the league at large to be distributed to all teams. That is as serious of a financial allegation as you can make against an NFL owner as it relates to his interactions with his partners. Let's take a break. When we return, the projected over-under win totals are out for 2022. We'll look at some of the most intriguing numbers as affixed to the teams in the AFC when PFT Live continues right after this. 